0: Hi, Bill. How are you doing today?
1: Hey, Robin, I'm doing well. How are you today?
0: Back on the road, traveling around the world, seeing beautiful people, doing beautiful things and learning lots about security. So this week has been very exciting and I'm just going to get straight into it. Let's talk about Ferrari. Now, over the past Mm. 24 hours, we've had lovely news that Ferrari, unfortunately, has become the victim of a ransomware attack. Now, the Ferrari folks have sent out a press announcement indicating that customer information, details, sensitive um, data has been the victim of a ransomware attack. That data has been leaked, and currently they're in the extortion phase for actually having payment to be processed. Now, we currently don't know the full impact of what data has been leaked out there, but darknet sources indicate that it is very personally and privately sensitive. Now, the folks who claimed to have done this is a company called Ransomware EXX, and at indicative size estimates, they claim to have only taken seven gigabytes of data. Now, how much personal information could I fit into seven gigabytes?
1: That's an awful lot.
0: It's an awful lot. It's an awful lot. You know, today you might be downloading games or installing applications and you see seven gigabytes of a hard drive. People think that's absolutely tiny. But when you consider every single text character, every space, every punctuation mark is one byte. Seven gig is a huge amount. Heck, we got to the moon with eight megabytes of storage, if I remember correctly. It was a little before my time. So, Ferrari are currently under the kibosh. So, Ferrari isn't the only auto manufacturer to have gone through similar attacks. We've seen things in the past from Volvo, we've seen things from BMW and other car manufacturers. But the, f- the interesting thing about this Ferrari breach was that back in October, they, ex- they claimed that their Formula One partnership was sponsored through Bitdefender, so they had security tools in place. Bill, how can somebody get attacked with ransomware if they already have a security solution? Robin, superb question.
1: And this is hmm. a, a little bit of a mental trap that a lot of organizations fall into. And that is believing that simply because you have a tool or a couple tools, uh, you are automatically protected. But when we look at it from a security posture standpoint, and we say this about every two or three episodes, you really have to look at it from a defense in <laughs> depth standpoint. Threat actors, they know how to get around tools. And unless you have all of these working in concert, sharing data with each other, it makes it a, a whole lot easier for threat actors to get in. We, we talk about the, the Sands Institute and David Bianco who, who, kind of coined this concept of the pyramid of pain. And if you're going to take it from individual tools that rely on things like hash values or IP addresses or whatever the case may be, and really ramp up the difficulty for a threat actor to be able to act on objectives, You've got to get to TTPs. You've got to get to tactics, techniques and procedures. That means you need the full stack with shared information. you got to look at it as behavior. So yeah, Robin, this is is an unfortunate one. And and as you said, uh, simply waving the flag and saying we have tools, that really
0: isn't enough. It's not. Sometimes waving the flag and saying I have tools actually opens the floodgates for attackers more than defend against them. Now, if I know you're using one vendor well, maybe I can exploit a zero day. The more information somebody knows about your network, the vendors you use, the physical location you are, where you are in the world, those are all intelligence points. Those are data points which can be used to build your attack surface, which is why I always tell people, just from a personal standpoint, don't tell people where you are in the world. Don't share pictures of you in a room with lots of people because you're delivering training don't tell people you're flying places because those are data points that can be used to attack you and to hurt you now with this ferrari ransomware attack that they're currently going through and if this is still an active threat we need to understand how did somebody first breach that perimeter what are the tools the techniques and the p practices protocols remind remind procedures tool procedures. Well done. Nice to know you're actually paying attention. So the tools, the techniques and procedures used by threat actors to actually get into the perimeter. Because once somebody is in the perimeter, once somebody has traversed that moat and got into your network, that's when they can start to exfiltrate data. That's when they can start encrypting data. And if you remember back to last week's episode where we went through the six E's of ransomware, each one of those attack steps can have a mitigation point. Now, if Ferrari had all of the tools in, in place to secure their perimeter, to identify each step of the attack kill chain and to have a unified context to link all of these data points together, I will put some theoretical cash on the line to say that they would not be in this situation that they are today. But once again, Agreed. we don't want a victim blame. We just want to use this data that we have to prevent other people from falling into that ransomware trap. Because every week, right. we're seeing more and more organizations being extorted, being bribed, and being kind of, well, held to ransom. <laughs> because there's a big market up there. And it especially is. Is. with the ability to start doing things like generative AI, deep fakes, and well the ease of phishing, the quantity of ransomware is likely to go up no longer can you trust a phone call from your ceo because now that can be a deep fake voice no longer can you trust a video sent to you from somebody else because heck i could be ai generated right now playing my video down an audio uh, interface or a visual interface to simulate what is happening you can't trust anything you see on the internet so therefore ransomware will become more prevalent fingers crossed things get better do you see things getting better so. or do you see things getting worse
1: this is a cyclic thing robin and hmm. we know this just from the years of experience that we have uh one of the big discussion points right now is chat gpt of course and mm-hmm. so of course we can't get an episode through without saying that that enables the open source intelligence search engines to know that we're talking about it and uh, therefore we can be flagged but there's mm-hmm. there is a lot of fear around <laughs> chat gpt right now and the ways that it will enable threat actors uh to attack by the same token that same technology can and is used uh by uh, those of us who are are trying to protect our digital lifestyle so Back to your question, Robin, you're always going to see this in a cyclic fashion. You have to be prepared. You have to adopt an offensive security mindset so that you're able to appropriately scale up your security posture and be ready for for whatever's next.
0: Hey, that's the Cato tagline, I believe. Ready for whatever's next. And yeah, we can protect. So yeah, you said the title of the movie. Well done, way. <laughs> so fingers crossed, Ferrari get out of this without too much of an impact. Sure, they're being extorted. Let's hope so. Sure, there's going to be legal and financial implications to not adequately handling the customer or sensitive data. But all we can hope is that they mitigate the overall impact, learn from this lesson, and take it away and take actionable steps to prevent this from happening in the future. Secure your perimeter it's now part of business. context. Yes, we want to make life easier. But anyway, what do you have on your agenda? What have you been looking at in the security feeds this week?
1: Well, Robin, we've talked a lot about ransomware, and sometimes I think we can get tunnel vision <laughs> when we begin to focus on particular areas. It's necessary, right? We want to dig mm-hmm. in a little bit. And certainly our last episode talking through the six E's of ransomware Very, very important that that is understood by security practitioners so that you can begin to build toward, again, behaviors rather than simple signatures. I figure we'll kind of switch back a little bit to something that we've talked about multiple times and that is Trojans. So uh, Mm -hmm. a lot of times we will see news surging about certain uh, campaigns involving Trojans. The the one that I want to focus on this week is Ms. Padu. Now, Ms. Padu mm-hmm. uh, is a banking trojan, and the reason it's a banking trojan is because it is targeting individuals to exfiltrate their credentials. It'll even take screenshots and 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 record keystrokes, so that mm-hmm. there the the threat actor is able to access banking sites and and that's how they're making their money. So not so much an extortion as it is a kind of a straight-out theft that Mispadu is looking to do. Now, this involves multiple steps, just like it does in ransomware. In, in the case of Padu, not only does it exfiltrate those credentials and record those things that I already mentioned, but it, it, part of the campaign is to infiltrate legitimate websites and compromise those, turning those into command and control devices. Now this adds a whole different flavor on this robin this isn't a domain generation algorithm or or you know some site that was literally stood up a a few days ago and we we can rely on that exclusively this is compromising websites that are already set up for example wordpress websites as the command and control servers so that mispadu when it exfiltrates that data it goes to sites that are seemingly harmless websites and this is happening tremendously in Latin America right now mostly Latin American users are being targeted and the estimates according to the news is that around 90,000 credentials have been stolen so far so that's that's really what's cool. in the news so how are the credentials actually stolen so the initial vector to to this threat in in order to get this trojan installed is again through a phishing campaign so here we go again right the email (laughs) shows up and claims that there's a document from the bank that the user should open it looks legitimate Uh, you know threat actors are getting better and better at generating these phishing emails uh helps with tools like metasploit and so forth but that malicious document will actually redirect to a url and when they hit that URL, here comes the drive by download, right, the the Trojan is downloaded. And for Mispadu, it's downloading auto IT and Mispadu uh, rogue certs. So the the these certificates make it look like these are legitimate applications this Trojan it makes it look legitimate to endpoint malware engines. So here we are with evasion again. We talked about this last time with, uh, with ransomware. How do we evade? Well, in, in, in this instance, we're not killing the, the endpoint tool, we're evading it by looking like we're legitimate. Now, once it lands, it actually installs using WMI command line. So obviously we're talking Windows. A listener will then connect to the command and control server, which again could be, you know, a, a WordPress website, for example, and then an info steal, info stealer will exfiltrate the credentials. And it's looking in two particular places, Robin. It's looking in Chrome because mm-hmm. it's looking for your cached credentials, and it's also looking in Outlook to try to find those credentials. So uh, if I can't compromise directly, I'll try to compromise through email this is how it's actually working so once the trojan lands and it has a certificate that looks legit and it's installed then it begins its work of doing screenshots doing key log captures and trying to pull those credentials out of those devices
0: wow i know a lot of people are now using google chrome certificate manager they're using it to store their credit card information all of their passwords and there's a huge google marketing campaign trying to push people to use those features but That can be stored in plain text. So if somebody's screen scraping, if somebody's stealing your cache credentials, then you have just swung the doors wide open to attack. So how can this be prevented? You know, drive by attacks can happen on any website. It's quite easy to write a simple few lines of JavaScript to actually enforce an auto download when you go to a site. How can it be prevented?
1: you know sometimes robin i think these conversations that we have are scaring people to death and uh, you know <laughs> our, our intent is not to is not to necessarily frighten but to inform and certainly just as you characterize it all it takes is being able to compromise a web server or or stand up a a web server and with a few lines of code somebody so much as hits that website and they begin the download you know, sometimes even it unawares. So one of the ways that we can protect there is DNS protection as as part of an intrusion prevention system. This is where we're going to look at low reputation um, domains or malicious domains, right, ones that have even been identified as malicious. And DNS protection will stop those uh, URLs from being resolved to IP addresses. I know we're getting a little down in the network weeds here, but it'll stop it from being resolved, which means the browser can't actually get there. It doesn't know where to go. And thus we prevent the possibility that a malicious payload is gonna be received by uh, a drive-by download. Now, in the event that you happen to still hit that site uh, for whatever reason, OnPath Next Generation Anti-Malware is your friend. I mentioned this in a prior episode, but we're so often asked if I have an on path next generation anti-malware, do I really need endpoint protection? Or they'll even ask the reverse of the question. I have endpoint protection. Do I need on path malware protection? The answer is that you need both if you're going to do defense in depth. And that way, even if it does, if the malware manages to land on the endpoint and it does try to kill uh, any anti-malware that's running on the endpoint, it may be successful, but it cannot kill the on-path next-gen anti-malware. So you're going to catch it that way. But Robin, I, I think there's one other piece that we need to discuss, and we've never brought it up before during our conversations, and that's that when you have a site, uh, whether it's a rogue site or a site with uh, a reputation that you're you're unsure of, or you know, it's a category of site that, uh, that that maybe you don't want your users accessing openly, we have an opportunity to prevent those drive-by downloads, even if they manage to hit those websites. And I think we can do that using a concept of remote browser isolation. Now, this is this is a concept that essentially isolates the user's browser view from what is actually being served from the web server. There's a number of ways you can do it. Mm -hmm. But Robin, I think you've got some very exciting news to share. I'd like to turn it over to you and let's hear a little bit
0: more about remote browser isolation. Of course, of course. So Cato, we're constantly updating our security features, our security policies, and we're expanding our unified single context to cover every facet of network security. Now, remote browser isolation will be one of our next large enhancements, which will be available to all of our customers in a few weeks from now. No specific dates, but it'll be very, very close. And we'll do additional videos, YouTube-style content, all about remote browser isolation. But at its very heart, remote browser isolation is about not serving web content directly to your browsers or directly to your users. Instead, you use a third-party man in the middle to only serve pixels to your end users. From a nerdy perspective, it means that you're not fully loading scripts and Java and all of the other naughtiness of the internet directly in your browser. Instead, another machine is doing that for you and then only sending the rendered canvas element to your endpoint machine, which means things like um, cache steals, that gets blocked. Things like drive-by downloads, that gets blocked. Things like um, cross-site scripting injections, that gets blocked. This means your users can visit websites which might not be 100% safe and secure without Kato, but with Kato it will be protected, it'll be proxied, and all of your data will remain secure. This is an additional layer of network security on top of our reputation engines, on top of our DNS protection, on top of our intrusion prevention, anti-malware, and more. So if you had all of the layers of security enabled through Cato, using our single context, using our unified single-pass architecture, this wouldn't be a problem for your users at all. That's right. In the event that the Trojan, the malware, ended up on one of your Endpoint machines, somehow, I don't know how, maybe somebody plugged in a USB stick and dragged something dangerous on. We would still protect. North, south, east, west traffic movement, we would block. That would be through IPS or next gen anti malware. But if somebody went to a site that was spoofing something legitimate, one of your internal websites maybe, but they used domain the squatting or had an uncategorized URL, remote browser isolation would kick in and help save the day. So, this is defense in depth. You need to look at every single step of the attack kill chain, every single point in which data moves from one place to another, even if it's in a local directory, and then observe ways of protecting against each stage of that lifecycle. Kato can protect against every one of them. And when remote browser isolation is available, that will just add yet another layer of security to the overall preventative stack. I'm excited. We'll sure to be very talking exciting. lots and lots about remote browser isolation in the future, but it's coming soon. It's coming very soon, and I'm excited. I hope you're excited too, Bill. Me too.
1: Absolutely. Me too. Looking
0: forward to it. Okay. Well, I think that about wraps it up for today. But folks, you stay right. safe out there. And until next time, be well. Take care.